Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bethel Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Amy Beveridge, serving today with our music and sound team, and this is our virtual worship experience. I want to thank you all for listening this week. We are on the last few Sundays of our journey with Paul through the Book of Acts, a project we started in the spring. It has been an amazing series to preach and especially lovely to share with Pastor Mary Steinweber as we've navigated the teachings together. Last week was her last word on this preaching series, so a special thank you to her for all her hard work in the last months. Before we dive into worship today, a few community announcements for you all. All Saints Sunday is coming up in about a month. If there is someone who has passed away this last year and you wish to honor them in worship, please contact the office with both their name as well as the relationship to you. You can do that via email or a website form or just a phone call. Other events in the coming days, we are getting ready for our annual Global Barnyard Jars fundraiser. We are taking pre-orders for all these soups and baked goods that make really lovely gifts in the holiday season. I like to get them for all my kids' teachers each year. It's a great cause through our global ministry. And I've really missed this project since we put a pause on it for COVID. So contact Jan McKee for more info, or again, Sam in the office uh, can help as well. And I've got one save the date for you. We are hosting another Parents' Night Out on November 11th, so keep a lookout for more info on that. It will be for children uh, up through uh, grades 5, and it will run uh, from 5 to 10 p.m., and hopefully we'll see some of your kiddos and your grands there. So I think that's all for us in community life. Let us come together now to worship God in spirit and truth as a people made new and whole in Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, 
that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us confess in the presence of God and of one another. Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you and uphold us by your spirit so that we may live and serve you in newness of life through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit, that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Compassionate God, you gather the whole universe into your presence and continually reveal your Son as our Savior. Bring wholeness to us who seek health and speak truth to us in our confusion that all creation will see and know your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, today's story and Acts is a short one and honestly amusing, and you'll see why. This incident is a death and resurrection story, which doesn't sound funny, but it will be. It will be the last piece that we will cover in Paul's missionary journeys before moving on to his trial and shipwreck on the way to Rome. And you know, it's an important one because our storyteller gives names to the characters and really slows down the travelogue action to appreciate just what happened one night in Troas. Troas to us is now Troy, out on the northwestern edge of Turkey. And it is there that we go now, seeking out the mischief that Paul finds wherever he goes. A reading from the book of Acts, the 20th chapter. Paul's final visit to Troas. On the first day of the week, when we met to break bread, Paul was preaching. Since he intended to leave the next day, he continued speaking until after midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were meeting. A young man named Eutychus, who was sitting in the window, began to sink off into a deep sleep while Paul talked still longer. Overcome by sleep, he fell to the ground three floors below and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and bending over him, took him in his arms and said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. Then Paul went upstairs, and after he had broken bread and eaten, he continued to converse with them until dawn. Then he left. Meanwhile, they had taken the boy away alive and everyone was greatly relieved. The Word of the Lord. A reading from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord! I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. 
They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Amen. Until our hearts are stirred Alleluia, Lord, we sing For the good news that you bring A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5 One day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem And the power of the Lord was with him, Jesus, to heal. Just then some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed, and they were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question. Who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately, He stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today. The Gospel of the Lord. We have seen strange things today. The day the paralyzed man was healed when he sought Jesus through the roof of a crowded house, yes, it was strange, as many things are strange in the Bible. Wherever Jesus was, there were strange things afoot, many without explanation of logic or natural law, not the least of which was Jesus' own resurrection. But arguably, in the book of Acts, things get stranger. Disciples are spirited from one point on the map to another with no explanation. Persecutors are struck blind into belief. Earthquakes and angels rattle the prisons open. Dreams and visions set the course of missionaries. The list is kind of endless as to the strange happenings that keep us reading this story. It feels stranger than it did when Jesus was around in the Gospels. I think for me anyway, that's true. And that's because Jesus himself was a kind of explanation because he's familiar to us. He doesn't feel strange, we who know him every Sunday and have done for years. He is well-worn with our belovedness, even in his mystery, right? Even in his mystery, he's familiar. Acts is just different. It feels unfamiliar. And the Holy Spirit, while so very present, seems a slippier, unpredictable force in the life of the church once Jesus leaves his work to his followers. 
Everything is infused with holiness and redemptive power. The world is charged with creative energy. But Jesus is not there like we knew him to be. And so it feels more mysterious, maybe, more miraculous, maybe, stranger in this landscape. I find it easier to explain a paralyzed man walking from the presence of Jesus than I do a boy slipping out a window to his death only to live again when Jesus is not there. I don't know if that makes sense to you all. The whole big point of it is this, that the Gospels were strange, the book of Acts, stranger. Consider this gathering in Troas. Paul talks and teaches so long into the night that a boy droops over in sleep and falls out a third story window only to rise again. I mean, Paul doesn't do anything or say any words like those we come to expect in the Gospels. With Jesus, we can pinpoint a turn between death and life, but there is none of that here. There is no confession or forgiveness of sin, which is often a pivot point between death and life. There is no friendly intervention by good neighbors like we just had in the Gospels. No declaration of healing or command to stand up and take your bed home, right? We had lots of that in Jesus' earthly ministry. We had pivot points between death and life. Instead, Paul does something far simpler. He arrives like a medic, says there is still some life in this young man, and then heads back upstairs to eat some more and resumes his marathon teaching session. That's it. Voila. Resurrection. It's terribly informal. At least it seems like Paul has done nothing. Until you start to notice that there are very specific details to this whole midnight disaster. And the first, and I love this one, Let's open to the possibility that this boy essentially died, not because he was youthful and sleepy, but because the word slayed him. Because that's the backdrop to this whole strange event. Paul is teaching, and you can bet he was talking about Jesus in those conversations. One of the central ideas of our tradition is that when we rightly comprehend the word of God, the first thing we do to respond is die. So in some ways, we could say maybe this boy fell out the window because he kind of got what Paul was talking about. We die to our old selves. We die to the forces that have kept us from God. We die to being owned. We die to fear. We die to despair. We die to the power of death itself. Ask our own Jack Fitzgerald, our resident West Texan, two of them, he and his wife. He has said it many times over in the years. When people see Christ who have not ever known the grace of God, the first thing they feel is its conviction, and that can be unbearable. It's pretty common to run from it. Some of us have done that, ignored its power, turned away from the mirror it holds up to our lives, raged against the feelings that it flares in us. Or maybe in the case of Eutychus, this young man, we might simply faint away under its power. Maybe Paul wasn't as boring as scripture makes him sound. Maybe his teaching was so powerful that it killed the old Eutychus who crumbled under the pressure of its conviction. Now, scripture doesn't say that, but I kind of like that interpretation of an otherwise strange but innocuous story of resuscitation. Maybe that's what happens, maybe not, but I'm a Lutheran. So I'm going with that one. The word was doing its work of creating a new human. Because in death, we are not abandoned. There was still life in him. Paul can feel it. The word is doing its work to cut down in order to raise again 
to new life. There's another detail imbued with religious meaning in the story. See, this crowd, they aren't just discussing the Bible or Jesus up in that room. What else are they doing? They're eating. The purpose of the gathering was to break bread together. See that in verse 7? And this is where it starts to look eerily like church, right? Like the Sundays you know. After Paul declares the presence of life in this boy, he returns to the feast, breaks bread, and eats. Eating is not neutral here. This is not a casual detail. Recall the arc of Jesus' life in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus gathers for the Passover feast, the Last Supper, and after he dies, where does he show up? At meals. In Emmaus, they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Or when they think they've seen a ghost in Jerusalem, he says, give me a bit of fish to eat, as if that is proof that he is alive. The Gospel of John is the same. After the resurrection, Jesus shows up to the disciples barbecuing breakfast on the beach. We'll see this again in two weeks at the end of Paul's story, and I'm not going to tell you where. You keep a lookout for it. Eating is life. It is the giving of life, the celebration of new life, the unity of all life with one another and with God, the risen body of Christ made visible in the world. Paul made no grand pronouncements about that fallen boy. There were no petitions, interventions, or confessions. There was just the word and the sharing of bread. Ordinary things have become strange in the life of the early church, strange and powerful. And we can forget sometimes as we seek to tame our religious and spiritual lives, our own lives, we can forget that. But the teaching and discussing of the word, the meals we share, whether here on a Sunday or any meal where you gather in the name of life itself, they're anything but tame. They work on our hearts. The word and the meal, they recreate us. Strange things did happen in those biblical events, but they happen here too when we feast together on the word and when we feast together on the bread and the wine that is our Savior. Amen. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you may have all the rest, give me Jesus. Dark midnight was my cry, dark midnight was my cry, dark midnight was my cry, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you may have all the rest, give me Just about the break of day, just about the break of day, just about the break of day, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, 
give me Jesus, you may have all the rest. Give me Jesus. And when I want to sing, and when I want to sing, and when I want to sing, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You may have all the rest. Give me Jesus. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Praise and thanks to you, holy God, for by your word you made all things. You spoke light into darkness, called forth beauty from chaos, and brought life into being. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. By your word, you called your people Israel to tell of your wonderful gifts, freedom from captivity, water on the desert journey, a pathway home from exile, wisdom for life with you. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Through Jesus, your word made flesh, you speak to us and call us to witness forgiveness through the cross, life to those entombed by death, the way of your self-giving love. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Send your spirit of truth, O God. Rekindle your gifts within us. Renew our faith. Increase our hope. Deepen our love for the sake of the world. Faithful to your word, O God. Draw near to all who call on you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus. Amen. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The God of all grace bless you now and forever. Amen.
Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of Go in peace, love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.